0: Hey, Rubicon fans, it's Brian. If you're listening to this, then hopefully you already know that we've launched a new weekly newsletter here at Crooked Media. It's called Big Tent. I write it. And my goal is to walk with you through the big debates unfolding among Democrats in real time from the campaign trail to the Senate floor to Twitter. And I want to do that because the issues we argue about and how we work them out amongst ourselves will both shape the future of the progressive movement and probably also help determine whether Donald Trump gets a second term or not. Um, The first edition came out on Friday, January 31st, but you can subscribe today at crooked.com slash big tent. I'm really psyched about this, so I hope you sign up and encourage people you know to sign up too. What the president should have done was if he was upset about Joe Biden and his son and what they were doing in Ukraine, he should have called the attorney general and told him that and let the Attorney General handle it the way they always handle cases that involve public. And why do you think he didn't do that? Maybe he didn't know to do it.
1: Are you confident that the President won't seek foreign assistance again?
0: I believe that the President has learned from this case. The President is guilty of an appalling abuse of public trust. What he did was not perfect. No, it was a flagrant assault On our electoral rights, our national security, and our fundamental values. Corrupting an election to keep oneself in office is perhaps the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. The trial of Donald Trump ended as expected and yet not as expected at all. Before Trump's impeachment, the Senate had never voted to remove a president, and that is still true. By the rules laid out in the Constitution, Trump is acquitted and may continue holding the office of president. But before Trump's impeachment, no Senate had ever abused the power to try impeachments to conceal evidence of high crimes. That is no longer the case. And before Trump's impeachment, no U.S. senator had ever voted to remove a president of his or her own party that is also no longer the case. On Wednesday, Mitt Romney became the first senator in the country's history to break with his party's president and declare him guilty of impeachable offenses. It's easy to write this off as a small deal. With two bucks and one Republican vote to convict, you can buy half of an oat milk latte. But if it were a small deal, how do you explain this? So, Senator Romney's decision to break ranks eliciting lavish praise from the left. I think it's unfortunate that he's bought into Adam Schiff's uh, impeachment charade, which is what it was. Romney is now suddenly the Democrats' favorite Republican. Mm -hmm. There will be some people who might be happy uh, with it, and they might be called Democrats. He said these are his convictions. His faith is very important to him. He felt like... Please don't bring religion... I mean, you're not bringing into it, but I'm saying for him to bring religion into this has nothing to do with religion. My faith... Uh, It makes me do this. Are you kidding? It is a big deal. And it's a big deal because the guilty parties know it's a big deal. When Adam Schiff delivered his closing argument to the Senate, he asked Republican senators, is there one among you who will say enough? The answer, it turns out, was yes. Literally one. And he infuriated the entire right wing, not because they value loyalty to Trump for loyalty's sake, but because he gave the lie to the story about impeachment that Republicans wanted to tell. Impeachment was partisan. It was about revenge. Trump did nothing wrong. And if what he did was wrong, it just wasn't that bad. The trial of Donald Trump thus ended with a real measure of justice. Republican senators indicted themselves as members of Trump's conspiracy against the United States, and one of their own members exposed them. Not only will the most vulnerable of these senators have to explain to their constituents why they voted to conceal evidence of Trump's guilt and let him off the hook, they'll have to contend with the fact that Mitt Romney, the former leader of their party, refused to participate in the cover-up and voted for Trump's conviction. But they'll only face these questions if the rest of us keep the public eye trained on Trump's corruption. That won't happen if Democrats return to the posture they adopted before impeachment— a posture of ducking confrontation and hiding behind message bills that won't become law and that nobody ever hears about. If impeachment was just a box-checking exercise, it lets all of these complicit Republicans off the hook. If Democrats stop fighting for the truth for all the evidence Trump has bottled up now that they've reached the other side of impeachment, they might squander all the effort that went into convincing that one Republican to say enough. That means what comes next matters more than what we've just been through. So we've invited Matthew Miller back so we can assess where we are, how far we've come, and what must happen now to make sure we didn't cross these dangerous waters for nothing. I'm Brian Boitler, and this is Rubicon. Matt Miller, welcome back to Rubicon again. Uh, Glad to be here as always. After Watergate, uh, Richard Nixon hightailed it out of Washington, but the process more or less worked. Uh, As anticipated, there was no impeachment, but he knew he was going to be booted. So he Mm -hmm. left peacefully and the vice president became president and everything uh, was able to go back to normal, like enough that just a few years later, the Reagan revolution happened and Republicans swept back into power. And then after the Clinton impeachment, Bill Clinton was pretty penitent. Um, And I think the consequences of that impeachment have really echoed through the 20 plus years since then. Um, Donald Trump is not penitent um, and Republicans have no interest in trying to constrain him. And I wonder what you think that means for how his
1: impeachment
0: will shape the coming years.
1: Um, I, I think there are two ways to answer that. One is the short term. One is the long term. In the short term, I think he's going to feel completely emboldened, um, emboldened to go after his enemies. Uh, you saw him doing it already at a prayer breakfast of all places, attacking Romney and Pelosi. I don't like people who use their
0: faith – as justification for doing what they know is wrong, nor do I like people who say, I pray for you, when they know that that's
1: not so. Um, he's going to feel emboldened to use the powers of the office any way he wants to try to um, gain gain an advantage in the election, um, and he's he basically going to be the guy he's always been, but you know maybe a little bit more unleashed because he knows there's no it's not going to be another impeachment between now and his reelection. But then I think the 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 answer to the question long term really depends on whether he wins reelection or not. I mean, we always uh, one one thing we keep hearing a lot about is well, history will judge how people acted here. Um, But I think history will view this a lot differently if Trump is reelected than if he isn't. I mean... uh I think if he 's reelected and goes on to to you know govern for four more years and you know and isn 't removed from office in a second term, people will view his presidency hopefully as an abnormality and an irregularity but i don 't know that the the judgment we would like to pass on the people who acted with no integrity will be actually the way that that history views it.
0: You drafted a playbook of sorts for Democrats in The Washington Post, and just a partial spoiler is that. Um, in the aftermath of all of this, Democrats should continue to investigate Trump aggressively but that having survived an impeachment where he provided zero documents and told all politically appointed witnesses not to testify and they listened, um, that the, you know those kind of things will remain concealed. We're not going to get uh, a forthright testimony from Bill Barr or Mike Pompeo or, or anyone like that and we're not going to get – at least in a, in an easy, um, you know, predictable way, any of the documents that were concealed. Um, uh, but there's still uh, – Democrats still have the, the ability to conduct rigorous oversight by subpoenaing career officials, um, which is how they basically did the Ukraine investigation. So who would you want to hear from? if the goal was to replicate the ukraine inquiry but for emoluments or for any other underinvestigated trump scandal
1: um, you know it depends on what the scandal is i think uh, you know one is, let, let's pick one that i personally think has been completely underinvestigated which is trump telling people in the department of homeland security to build his wall and blow through him in a domain blow through you know any rules possible and if they break the law he'll he'll pardon them Um, That is just a a gross abuse of power. So you look at all the officials at DHS. You start the same way shifted, which is you get one witness in and you ask them who was in the room when Trump said that. And you go to the rest of them and you start digging through and uncovering rocks. And every time you uncover a rock, you know who else to go through. And I think the the reason you do that is, look – the, the Ukraine investigation I think was a smashing success. I think it's – I think sh- the way Schiff conducted it's the most successful congressional oversight investigation in, at least in modern history in terms of the speed at which they were un- unable to cover wrongdoing. The way they were able to largely – not completely obviously but largely overcome the, the president's blockade um, – And it was a success because they stopped the president's scheme in his tracks. I mean if if Schiff hadn't – if the whistleblower hadn't come forward and Schiff – remember the whistleblower came forward but it was private. It was locked up for for weeks. If Schiff hadn't publicly blown the whistle on it, Zelensky would have announced that investigation into Biden. Biden would have never got out from under that cloud. Um, So I think they have to to go after all these officials at DHS – at the Pentagon, when you look at the president's pardon, uh, you know, pardons of war criminals that have led to the Navy secretary resigning, you just go on around the government and look, there are a lot of committees in the House. They can all do what Schiff did and you can w- – w- if you go back to this theory I have that he's going to be unleashed and try to use his power however he can to win reelection, by launching the investigations, you both give incentives to whistleblowers to come forward and you freeze people and 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 you freeze people in the government and let them know that someone's watching mm-hmm. and there will be consequences if they carry out the president's lawless orders and that has a real chilling effect it the republicans got this they had a massive chilling effect on the fbi in 2016 i mean they they put so much pressure on the fbi they got the, the comey to do all kinds of crazy things that hurt Hillary Clinton, and Democrats can use their majority the same way. I mean I,
0: I think Schiff is uncommonly good at this kind of thing and not every other committee chair is. But I also agree that it's not the case that he found the only 17 people in all of the government and affiliated uh, you know, contracting firms or whatever that have witnessed wrongdoing and can and can testify to it. But I guess the question is do you think Democrats will do that?
1: I doubt it. Um, <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> Look, I I think it, it well. I'll put it this way. I think it will be uneven. Uh, I think, you know, to your point, Schiff is uncommonly good. Um, not all the committee chairs are as talented as he is. Not all of them has have as talented as staff as, as he does. But there are some talented chairs, and there's some very talented staff up there on the Hill. Um, what I worry is you're going to get back to where Democrats were in this pre-Ukraine period and and I don't mean by that this you know there was this big debate you and I had it over whether they should have impeached Trump over the activities in the Mueller report even if they weren't going to impeach him I think they could have investigated it more aggressively than they did um and uh, there was a big debate in the party. Should we focus on oversight, or should we focus on passing bills on health care and education and everything else? And my answer is you do both yeah. there's no reason you you can't do both, and sure, oversight will get all the press attention, but th- that other stuff's not really getting attention anyway
0: see I think that 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 false dichotomy between investigating and legislating is already starting to reemerge right Like I thought a lot about how Democrats might stage the immediate aftermath of impeachment. Um, and if they would had a subpoena like ready to go, to go out the door for John Bolton right after Republicans voted for the cover-up or for the acquittal, it would have shown a kind of resolve that I think might have spooked Republicans and it definitely would have spooked anyone in the government who is considering you know, carrying out Trump's next plot. And kills his victory lap. Right. And they obviously didn't do that um, and there are reports that they are torn between factions that want to step on the accelerator – and others that want to go back to messaging bills and kind of hiding from confrontation with Trump. Um, then Republicans fired off their request for information about Hunter Biden of the Secret Service as soon as the trial was done. Um, is, is I mean, is this at all s- sustainable? I mean, if you're one of the Democrats who's saying, let's, let's pull back from investigations, like at what point do you realize that this is going to happen, uh, continue to happen to Biden, and if he you know uh, fall short in the in the primary the next democrat
1: yeah i i that is i think you were, the the hunter biden uh request for information i think it was grassley and johnson sent yeah. out and and Graham is doing it too um, is the right way to look at it because we know what the Republicans are going to do to the Democratic nominee and if it let l- everyone say well they're not gonna you know they're not going to do that they did that to hunter Biden they're not going to do that to my candidate Jane Sanders was a subject of a criminal investigation by the Justice Department you think that that the Senate isn't going to demand to look into that the Senate Republicans you think that Trump isn't going to demand that that investigation be reopened of course they are and pick your candidate if it's mayor Pete that would be something about you know housing programs in South Bend I'm making this up I don't know that there's any corruption there. But you know what I mean? Right. They w- they will find something and use their their subpoena power in the Senate to to start digging into investigations. And if Democrats don't do the same, they're leaving their nominee completely exposed. And look, I, I, you shouldn't use your subpoena power just for political purposes. I mean, that, that that remember Kevin McCarthy got in big trouble for admitting that's what Republicans were doing on Benghazi. And that's not what oversight should be used for. But here's the thing. I said this in my op-ed. Democrats don't have to be as shameless as Republicans. They don't have to be as partisan as Republicans. Trump is a walking corruption scandal. There are scandals all over his government. And they are within their rights to investigate them. It's in some ways their duty to investigate them. And yes, it will have a political impact. um, But that doesn't even have to be their motivation for doing it. Yeah.
0: I mean one thing that I am 100 percent certain of is that that if the Biden campaign continues to struggle um, or he withdraws from the race or whatever is that we will never – hear Republicans say the word Burisma <laughs> again and it will just be on to the next yeah. thing. And I think that at some point, Democrats have to realize that what happened in 2016 is what was happening with Burisma is that Trump and Republicans know that Trump is this walking corruption scandal and that the only way to um, to you know avoid that being a huge political liability for him is to try to neutralize it by creating a miasma mm-hmm. of scandal around – uh, the whoever's leading the Democratic Party, right? Um, and you know, I I, I think that Democratic tools are, are limited in an extent to how they can how they can stop this, right? Like something something really chilling happened after they voted to conceal all the evidence, which is that you know Lamar Alexander. Came out. He said, I think Trump did something wrong. I'm going to vote for the cover-up and then I'm going to vote to acquit. And, uh, and you know, Trump should realize that he shouldn't have gone to Ukraine to investigate the Bidens. He should have gone to the attorney general. Yeah. And and he said this on Meet the Press and Chuck Todd was like, why, why don't you think he did that? But like that would have been – You know, a a historic abuse of power before Trump, but that's where Republicans are trying to shift the Overton window to and seemingly successfully. And so I don't think that Democrats can necessarily stop that from happening. But if they if they say, okay, we're going to we're going to try to like retrain focus away from Trump's corruption and onto messaging bills, then it clears the field for him to say, you know, to, to do whatever it takes to make it seem like. Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or Pete Buttigieg are just as corrupt as he is. So let's fight this election out over, you know, over immigration or
1: whatever else. That that, that is absolutely right, and is absolutely the way I look at it. Um, the 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 world has changed um, fr- from what it used to be. I think it changed while Barack Obama was president, and Republicans just decided they were going to use their oversight power to completely take the president down uh, with Benghazi and all these. Remember all these stupid Salandra, st- Fast and Furious, all these scandals that they thought were going to be end- the end of the White House, and they realized that the 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 press would treat these as legitimate inquiries, even when they very obviously w- weren't. And what that does is it ties up the it ties up the incumbent administration from being able to get any administration out. Look, you haven't heard from Trump much about the economy the last three months because all he's been talking about is is Ukraine. And look, you can argue whether that's a good use of oversight or not, but the Republicans are going to use it that way. And if you don't, as Democrats, you are disarming and leaving a power uh, uh, that you have Uh, by the wayside and basically, I think, surrendering to Republicans. It goes back to this conversation about what are the norms and that we cannot have a system where only one party abides by norms or that party will lose every election.
0: So I I want you to put on your Justice Department hat for a second again because a a couple weeks ago, this was reported and now the guidance has gone out from Bill Barr that if anyone at Justice uh, thinks there needs to be an investigation of a campaign, um, it's got to go through him right? Yeah. And they're dressing this up as like, the goal is to avoid another Comey letter situation. But I think that's transparently not the goal. It's that it's that if all the um, predication uh, for investigations of political officials runs through him, he can say no to these investigations and yes to these. And of course, he will say no to any investigations of Trump, and he will happily say yes to any investigations of Democrats. Um, what can Democrats do to either stop this kind of obvious perversion of the law enforcement power uh, and stop Bill Barr from abusing it in this way, or if he's going to abuse it and there's no way to stop him, what how, how can they you know, sort of you know, shine a light on it so yeah. that it doesn't have the impact that he hopes it will?
1: Um, I, I will say two things about this. First um, – the problem with this policy goes back to the problem of having a corrupt attorney general. Mm-hmm. I think the policy in itself is actually an appropriate one. I don't think the FBI should be able to, to just on its own decision announce uh, investigate or, or launch investigations into political candidates because you can see a world where you know, everyone in the – let's say everyone in the FBI hates Bernie Sanders and the FBI decides to go after him without any good reason and it leaks. I mean, it, This was what was basically happening with the Clinton Foundation right. investi- investigation. So I do think there ought to be some oversight by Political officials who, at least in theory, are more accountable to the public um, uh, than than people at the FBI are, but the problem th- that theory breaks down when you have an, a, an attorney general who you, we know we cannot trust to do the right thing, and so you have this policy, which I think is a totally appropriate policy, and I think you're right, Bill Barr will completely abuse it the way he's abused his discretion so far as attorney general. I think what Democrats have to do to that uh, with that is then put pressure on the people at at the Justice Department who would have to carry out that policy. It goes back to my overall theory. It means hauling the FBI director up there and putting pressure on Chris Ray. Do you, you know? Is this something that should be investigated? Did you recommend that there be an investigation? Did the attorney general turn you down? And those are the types of questions you know if you're at an oversight hearing. Chris Ray is not going to answer. But if you bombard people at the Justice Department with inquiries and letters and you pull whistleblowers out of there – it starts to have an impact on their decision making. It starts to have an impact on what they leak, and you start to get in the situation we had in 2016, where um, you know Jim Comey knew that there was no no they, he had to know they weren't going to find anything real in the Wiener laptop, but he felt he had to go tell the cover, tell the Hill to cover his ass. And Chris Ray, if he decides if he's you know sometime down the road, and I say Chris Ray, but it's everyone up and down the chain inside the FBI and the non non political appointees at DOJ. If they get deciding, well, you know, am I going to do what Bill Barr wants, or um, he may, you know, he may not be the Attorney General in three months. It may be a Democratic administration. I got to look out for my job. It's certainly going to be a Democratic House. But, but, uh, I, I think I have to. Look, I, you know, I want to make sure I don't get dragged up onto the hill. You get people worrying, and when they worry, that's when they stop and pause and think. You know what? I'm going to write a memo to the file. And maybe that memo to the file is going to show up in the hands of the New York Times. And that's how you change people's behaviors inside the government.
0: Well, let's hope that the right people are listening to this episode at least. (laughs) Matt Miller, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for Rubicon, at least for now. This chapter of the impeachment saga is over, but the story of impeachment continues and we can't know how it ends. The Ukraine scandal, the impeachment, the cover-up, they all increased the stakes of the election dramatically. And what we do about it in the next 10 months just took on a ton of added weight. So get to work. This show is produced by Crooked Media. It was written and hosted by me, Brian Boitler. Stephen Hoffman is our producer and editor.